0: I want to read to you from God's words from Colossians chapter 3 and I want to read verses 1 to 17. If you have your Bibles you might want to turn there or watch the screen or your electronic devices or whatever it is you've got. In this passage the Apostle Paul is writing to the Christians, the believers in Colossae who are influenced by various heresies and issues In this particular passage, he's writing to people, his desire is that they become mature in Christ and he instructs them about their focus and about something they are to stop doing, something they are to start doing. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Paul says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God when Christ who is your life appears then you also will appear with him in glory how do we live in this world? put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed which is idolatry because of these the wrath of God is coming you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived but now you must rid yourselves of all these, all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other since you've taken off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or scythian, slave or free but Christ is all and all in all therefore as God's chosen people holy and dearly beloved clothe yourselves with compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience. bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another forgive as the Lord forgave you and above all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God and whatever you do whether in word or deed do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him Amen God's passage for us tonight Particularly, verse 16. Tonight, we are honoured to have our visiting speaker with us and his wife, Fiona, and little Isaac, Trevor. If you would like to come and join me, I'd like to ask you a few questions for us to get to know you a little bit and then release you to talk to us tonight. Uh, Give Trevor a nice warm welcome, everybody. Thank you. Um, so, actually, you're the author of one of the songs we sang tonight. That's right, yes. Um, no Other Name? No Other Name, yes. Powerful song, very moving song. I first heard that when at a conference in Sydney mm. last year. Yes, yes, yes. With you. Uh, yeah, and I was greatly moved by 2,000 guys singing this song together. And great truth. Mm. So, how old were you when you were
1: born? Where were you born? Born in Radelaide. Rattelade. Rattelade, the great place to be born. No. Significant, uh, significant, significant in my memory. life, we moved away from there when we were one. So <laughs> I've got very, lots of fond memories.
0: And moved to? And
1: moved to Sydney, grew up in the Hills District in Sydney, which is sort of northwest uh, McMansion land. So. <laughs> Christian family, Christian background. Not yet. So, uh, um, no, I um, came to Christ when I was 18. And so I'm praying for my mum and dad. They've, they've come a long way.
0: Not yet. In the kingdom.
1: Not yet in the kingdom, but um, God is doing significant work. So at 18, you became a Christian. How did did that happen? Uh, I was saying uh, this morning, uh, I was chasing a girl. (laughs) Girl says, if you want to hang out with me, I'm going to a church camp. I'm like, all right, how about I go to a church camp? I, uh, yeah, look, there were so many friends praying for me, Mm. witnessing to me. And uh, I realized at that point, God was chasing me. (laughs) So um, the girl that I was chasing isn't my wife, but I did meet my wife at that camp. So it was meant to be. <laughs> so yeah,
0: Your wife's name is?
1: This is Fiona down the back there. How long have you guys been married? Six years. Six and a half years. Uh-oh.
0: Anniversary date? It is March the
1: 11th. Oh, well done. I hope so. <laughs> confident and you know. Children, that's <laughs> right, that's right. Children, we have Isaac who's 15 months and he's probably asleep. Fantastic. Yeah, cool and in. Jonathan who is T minus three and a half months to go.
0: Not so here. Uh, yet.
1: We're really looking forward to having him with us on the outside. T minus three months. Um, what do you do? What do I do? Uh, I currently work um, part-time at a Presbyterian church, um, heading up worship ministries, music ministries, uh, and love doing that. And the other part-time is doing similar sort of things, but in a wider church context. So it's the ability to come here and do things like this right. and yeah. training, songwriting, lots of different things. What did you do before that? Uh, immediately before that was a couple of years at Bible college.
0: Mm. and church
1: college? Uh, SMBC, Brittany Missionary Bible College uh, That was a wonderful, wonderful time mm. Yeah mm. And then before that I was working for this guy down here um, My old pastor and boss decided to pop in tonight So uh, I was working in a church in Wollongong for six years Doing uh um, worship Rod. ministry Here so, to check
0: you out That's
1: right <laughs> I can't get away
0: we are delighted to have you come and share with us, particularly our, you'll tell us about a bit, our worship teams, music teams yesterday, and yeah, yeah. preached a great message this morning and challenged us very deeply. So can I pray with you? before That would be we, fantastic. Before yeah. you start, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that we have the opportunity as people to sit under your authority and the authority of your word. We thank you for the Lord Jesus, our Lord and Saviour, and for the gift of your Spirit, We ask tonight that your spirit might take your word, your inspired word, and instruct us, challenge us, convict us, mould us and shape us, that we might be passionate followers of Jesus. Lord, I pray for Trevor tonight that you might anoint him with your spirit, give him clarity of mind, freedom of spirit, to deliver your word to us. Lord, speak to us, for we, your servants, are listening. We pray in the name of Jesus.
1: Amen, amen, thanks. As a New South Welshman, it's always a very welcome, warm welcome that we get here. First shall be last, that's what I said this morning, the first shall be last, it's biblical. Thank you so much for having us. Um, We've had a wonderful time up here, Um, particularly, um, well not particularly, tonight's great as well, but um, it was really great to spend time with your music team and worship team uh, yesterday talking about... Uh, among other things, this passage, but also training in how they can serve you guys better. And um, can I just say, you've got a wonderful bunch of uh, guys and girls that serve you in the ministry here. Uh, you're very, very blessed. And, um, but I'm particularly excited that I get the opportunity to not only talk to them about what the Bible says about the importance of singing to our church life, But I also get the opportunity to talk to to you guys about exactly the same thing. And I think that's critical because I like to say we're all a part of music ministry. In a sense, if we've got the hottest band here and yet we aren't equipped as the church to sing God's praises, we are missing something. We may as well go and see a concert or something like that. God has given us something unique in singing together. uh, And it's just a real privilege that I get to speak to you guys about the same stuff that I spoke to the team yesterday is there anyone here for the third time? Tell me if I miss anything, okay? All right. So when I was preparing for this talk, it was, it was, like, it was really exciting to hear about this grace series that you've been going through. And I had to listen to the active worship sermon. Uh, it was Can I just say, who was here for that? Can you remember the active worship sermon? Fantastic. That's really good because I want to make sure that as we discuss the role of singing in our church, that what you learnt that evening uh, stays foundational to what we talk about. So I'll I'll, uh, remind you, or if you weren't here, here's here's the main points that we discussed. Worship is a response to revelation. As we see God, like in Isaiah 6, as Isaiah comes before God, his response to the revelation of God is worship. Worship is our response to revelation. It's a lifestyle and it's intentional action. It requires participation. There's no such thing as a spectator in worship. You don't watch worship. It requires involvement. And it involves our entire being. It's, it's our minds, our hearts, our bodies, our relationships. Worship affects every part of our life. In Jesus, we see worship changes, this is the story of John 4 when Jesus says a time is coming where we won't worship in a time and a place but in spirit and in truth in Christ all of our lives are uh, to be offered up as a, Romans 12 if you of God's mercy offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God this is your spiritual act of worship it is all of us, so as we talk about singing and I'm really excited I get really excited about singing in church. But keep this foundational, okay? Worship is all of life. So, yeah, singing doesn't equal worship. So, sometimes cheekily, when people say, oh, I love the worship tonight, which, which part? Which part of the worship did you love? Did you love hearing God's words? Did you love talking to people afterwards? Was it the way that you drove here? Uh, all of our life is worship. And yet singing is a particular... And special means that God has given to his church uh, to worship him because God commands us to sing together. I'll just read you a few verses. In 1 Chronicle 16, it says, Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done, sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wondrous acts. Psalm 33, says, Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the 10-string lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. And if we move to the New Testament, James says, is anyone happy? Well, let them sing a song of praise. And Paul in Ephesians has quite a similar passage to what we're looking at today, where he says, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs and make music from your heart to the Lord. So God commands us to sing. He's even given us in a song book. The book of Psalms, if you, if you do the, the flick read, you'll end up in the middle of the song book all the time. God has given us songs for all different occasions. And so singing, what, what's so special about it? It's, it's important to churches all around the world. Today, in Laos and L.A. and... What's someone else to start with, Ellen? All around the globe, God's people are singing together. And they've been doing that since Christ was here. Singing, obviously, is something special. But, you know, can we have church without singing? Can we have church without singing? Is singing for everyone, or is it just for those who are wired that way? Is it just for the touchy-feely types, you know? Uh, is, should we just form a, a church glee club, and those who love to sing can join the Glee Club. And, uh, is singing important to us? I, I'm not going to answer the question now because I hope you'll have an answer by the time we get to the end of this passage. So if you've got your Bibles with you, can you open up to Colossians 3.16? Can we? Yep. great. Fantastic. Thanks for that. I haven't given you a sermon outline because I hope this passage will be a, a, a framework for you, that you can use this passage to remember some points about why singing is so important. But I'm glad we um, looked at the context a little bit first. So Colossians is all about being in Christ. big theme in the book of Colossians is what does it mean to have your identity found in Christ? And because we are in Christ, then that affects our unity together. We're unified to, to Christ and therefore, as we're conformed to his likeness, that grows our unity together. So that's the big picture of Colossians and as we get to chapter 3 we see some particular applications about what that might look like. So I hope you picked up the um, sort of the structure of this passage. There's two sides to it. Because we are in Christ and because of our identity in Christ we're to put off certain things. Uh, The language here is like taking off clothes and putting on clothes. We put off things like anger, wrath, malice, slander, filthy language, don't lie to one another. We put off the things that aren't in conformity with being in Christ and that lead to this disunity in the church. And then it goes on, and then we put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. See what's happening? We're to take stuff off and put things on. It's not like these things make us Christian but they conform with our identity as people in Christ. And I just wanted to make sure we saw that flow in the passage because singing comes straight after this um, section on putting things on. And before we go any further, I just want to encourage us that sometimes I think we think singing is just an overflow. It's an overflow of our joy or where we're at at the time. But it's also a discipline. It's also something that, at times, we will need to put on. Do you see what I mean? So I think it's really important that we just see that place it has in the structure. But what I want to do now, let's have a closer look at verse 16. I'm going to read it out again. So, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude gratitude in your hearts to the Lord. So does the structure of that make sense? So what it's saying? The message of Christ is to dwell richly among us. How does it do that? It does it because we teach and admonish one another. And what will that look like? Well, it will be characterised by the fact that we do it in all wisdom. It will be through singing all sorts of different songs. And... It will be because of gratitude to God. So I want to narrow it down now. Let's look at that first statement. With the Word of Christ. First thing that I'd love us to really notice is what we do when we sing together as church is participate in a ministry of the Word of God. Now, we all come here to church tonight and, and each week for a bunch of different and good reasons but I hope one of the reasons you're here tonight is to sit under God's Word because God's Word is powerful to change us and it happens in a whole bunch of ways hopefully you're aware that as we read God's Word we're to be soft to it and to hear how we can respond and change because of it in our times where we preach God's Word we sit under it and are hopefully transformed by it but as we meet together there's a whole bunch of other different ways isn't there? As you have a coffee afterwards, how do we encourage one another from the scriptures? As we pray, are our prayers saturated with God's word? And this suggests as we sing, we to sing God's words and God's truths. It's a ministry of God's word. And so when, um, again, a little bit cheekily, people rock up late and they say, oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm more just, I just come for the teaching. You missed a whole bunch of it. The teaching doesn't just happen in the 30 or 40 minutes that the preacher gets up. God's word is active and powerful and it will change us. So as we sing, the message of Christ dwells among us richly as we teach one another. It's the message of Christ. And so yesterday with the music teams, we discussed how this is important to them. It's important that they pick songs that are full of scripture of god's words that we can actually learn as we sing them our songs have to be full of truth and they have to be theologically sound and as this passage says our songs have to be about jesus um one person has pointed out to me helpfully: do your song list specifically praise jesus christ or are they all about god and their challenge was Could a Muslim believer or a Jewish believer happily sing these songs along with you and affirm these truths? Our songs as followers of Christ are to be particularly songs in praise and worship of Christ. But it's critical that we all understand, we all understand that our singing should be a time of word ministry because it will change the way we approach it. If our singing is a time of word ministry, then we should have an expectancy that God is going to work as we sing together, shouldn't we? We should expect that he will. Isaiah 55 says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so it yields seeds for the sower and bread for the eater, as the rain and snow produces fruit so is my word that comes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve my purposes for which I sent it. We have to expect that God is working as we sing his words and truths together. We expect that he is working. And we must engage with them. We talked about that in the active worship talk. We cannot hold God's word at arm's length. We must respond to truth revealed. The song I thought particularly about this is How Great Thou Art, if You Know the Song. And when I think that Christ, His Son Not spewing, sent Him to die, I can't take it in. That on the cross, my burden, gladly taken, He bore my sin. Then sings my soul, my Saviour God to Thee, How Great Thou Art. We respond. To the revelation of truth we engage with the truths that we sing and we respond and to what end do we do this well hopefully you know 2 timothy 3:16, which says all scripture the words of christ and all scripture is god breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness why so that we will be thoroughly equipped for every good deed So we need to remember that even though there is a particular momentary blessing of singing together as we do it in this time and this space, there is something, there is a blessing there. But my prayer is the songs we sing together will thoroughly equip you for every good work in your homes and in your workplaces and with your families and with your friends. That as... You know, as you witness to your colleagues a song will encourage you or embolden you as you struggle with a tension, with a relationship that you will have comfort for some of these words. It's the word of God and it equips us for every good deed. And see I think our singing can play a unique role in this because if we look further on the verse the message about the Messiah is to dwell richly among us. And that word "swell" implies, it does, it tells us it's something sustained, it's something ongoing, it's not just temporary. Singing is just a fantastic tool for this because songs stick, don't they? In the music industry, they talk about um, hooks or earworms. Basically, they like little hooky musical phrases that burrow in and they're the ones like, who knows that Gautier song? Somebody the used to know, yes? Dun, 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 dun. so annoying but so hooky and you know you'll be driving along dun, 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 dun. that is the way God has wired us music sticks uh, let's let's do an example down down yep the world knows it don't they where we're worth the let's take the words away if I go da 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 what is it Macca's Yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you. My voice is a bit crook after a long day. Um, I'll just give you four notes. Bum, 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 bum. Intel. The world knows God has wired us so music sticks. (laughs) A really touching example of this is when I have the privilege of singing in a nursing home with people with Alzheimer's who can't remember their own name and yet we start singing a song that they knew in their youth and they know all the words music sticks God is wired us this way and it was fascinating that Daryl earlier talked about Deuteronomy when Moses is bringing the people into the promised land and he says make sure you write these things down so the people remember it I'm going to read to you from Deuteronomy 31 this is what God says to Moses now write down this song and teach it to the Israelites and have them sing it so that it may be a witness for me against them. When I've brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, the land i promised on oath to their ancestors, and when they eat their fill and thrive, they will turn to other gods and worship them, rejecting me and breaking my covenant. And when many disasters and calamities come on them, this song will testify against them because it will not be forgotten by their descendants. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? God is saying to Moses, these truths that I want my people to remember, write them down as a song and teach it to the people. Have them sing it because it's going to stick. God knows about earworms. He, made, he invented us. He created us. He gave us music and he gave us this great tool for the words of God to dwell among us richly. So as we sing together, it's important that we, our songs are full of good theology because it's not just the good theology that sticks. Bad theology will stick just as well. We'll talk a le- about that a little bit more. But I also want you to note that this passage, the translation we have here that says dwell in you richly, that you there is plural. It's really important to notice that. Other translations will say dwell among you and so our songs not only uh, express our theology personally but they express our corporate theology our theology is a church Uh, a guy called gordon fee says he says show me your songs show me the songs you sing in church i will show you your theology do you see what i mean in in churches throughout history there's been these repeated statements or creeds that the church would say together these are the things we believe and in the contemporary church our songs play so big a role like that they're our liturgy they're our creeds in some ways so it's so important again what songs we choose to sing they will define us because they don't just express our theology they shape our theology if our songs are all praise and triumph which is great it's great to praise God and have songs of triumph but what about the days of despair do we have room in our church's theology to understand what's going on there if our songs all dwell on the holiness of God again great we need to sing heaps of songs but if we're all down that line do we fully understand that that God is not removed from us but chose to become flesh and dwell among us. You see, we need to let our songs shape our theology. And I think that's why Paul might say, sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. I think he's just saying, sing lots of songs, lots of different songs. Um, People try and figure out what those three categories mean. No one really is too conclusive. They sort of think the psalms refer to the book of psalms, And in the book of Psalms, you've got songs for every occasion of praise, of battle, of despair, of anger. There's songs for every life occasion there. So the Psalms, the hymns probably refer to the hymns to Christ that we see in the New Testament. Uh, Passages like Philippians 2 seem to be songs that the church might have sung. At spiritual songs, most people go, hmm, not sure. But... We need to be engaging in a whole bunch of different songs because they will shape us. And so we need a richness of the songs we're singing. But what else can we um, conclude from this command to let the word of God dwell richly among us? We see singing together, it's also an active expression of our unity together. It's an active and physical expression. Now, if I knew a New South Welshman song, I would sing it triumphantly. That's not really an expression of unity. You guys could stand up and sing something back. It expresses we belong to this tribe, we belong to this team. They express our unity in our beliefs, don't they, as we sing them together. Not only do they express them, though, they encourage and empower unity. And so if you think throughout history, in times of revolution... Uh, Songs have played a significant role for the people. Think of apartheid in South Africa and Koshi Sikoleli, the song that united people. We shall overcome in the civil rights movement. I was even uh, reading recently about rap music in Syria uniting people in this revolution with the government. They encourage and empower unity and that should be the same for us as well. I love A guy called Sam Storms says that our time of singing together, our time of corporate worship, should be a joyful rebuke of the world. That together we sing and we raise our voices and we encourage one another of the things that we believe in because the world around us tries to shout out different things. No, don't worship Christ. He didn't worth it. Worship money, worship lifestyle, worship your family, whatever it is. And we need to empower and embolden one another, stand together and encourage one another to have unity in the things that we believe. Because you know what? We'll be doing it for eternity. Revelation 7. And then I looked and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people and language which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were robed with white, with palm branches in their hand and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. That's the ultimate expression of unity, isn't it? Surrounding the throne of the Lamb. That's what we'll be doing for eternity. And as we sing now, we join with the saints in that. There is a way that we join with the universal church in praising God. So I hope, as we've gone through, I hope it's become clear that our times of singing, despite what the world might tell us, aren't primarily for me. All right, we've got such an individualistic society, but this passage shows us that singing, as we sing together, is not primarily about me. We're to teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. We can't do that passively. We must be looking out for the people around us as we do this. This is a thing of proactive service, of proactive worship. Because I think sometimes this can be an issue. Uh, for you guys as a big church, it's wonderful that we have people here of all ages, of all cultures. We come from all different backgrounds. You've got multiple services here. It's great hearing about all what's going on in all these different services. And that is fantastic. We should celebrate the diversity of God's people gathering together. It should be a reason to love and serve one another. But... It so often can cause tension, can't it? You know, on one hand, we have the people that say, oh, look, I love the hymns. Other people go, oh, send me to sleep, man. Turn it up. Let's celebrate. We've got some people who like doing the YMCA. Uh, we've got other people who are checking for change in their pockets for the, the plate to come around. We're all different, and this can be something that causes division among us. But if we're looking to serve one another, if we're looking to teach and admonish one another as we sing we're looking out for what is going to bless the other isn't it? It's a proactive act of service. It's not primarily for me and my preferences. So how do, how do songs particularly teach us and help teach and admonish one another? So as I said there's we should be singing songs that teach us God's word. Uh, this one song I remember, excuse my voice. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, by his wounds we are healed. Word of God dwelling richly among us. That's Isaiah 53, pretty much word for word. So we need to sing songs like that. And we need to sing songs that are full of doctrine and propositional truth about God. That Doctrine sounds really boring. Doctrine just means the, the truth that we hold dear about who God is and what Christ has done for us. And so songs like In Christ Alone I love because they are so rich of the things they teach us. It doesn't... But do you, know, do you guys know the song You Are My King? I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted, you were condemned. I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. There is so much theology in that simple song, isn't there? And so we need to be singing songs that teach us propositional truths about who God is. But there is ways that we learn from singing that we don't often think as much about. I think we find that quite easy. We, we read these lyrics and we go, oh, I understand a bit more of, the, of that about God. But when we sing, there's a particular way that we learn as we step into someone else's experience. Now, let me explain this. If we sing with the psalmist, an example is a psalm, Psalm 13. Oh, my Lord, oh, oh, how long, Lord, will you forsake me? Hide your face from me forever. Oh, how long, Lord. I've forgotten the words. Anyway, you get the point. We step into the shoes of the psalmist. And so we're not actually intellectually connect with these truths. For I trust in you, your unfailing love. My heart rejoice. Okay, we don't only connect with that intellectual truth that in this time of despair we can still rejoice in God's faithfulness. But emotionally we step into the psalmist's shoes and walk with him in this time and that teaches us and it moulds us. Do you see what I mean here? It's a really unique gift of music that God has given us that we can engage with our intellect and our hearts and our bodies and with one another as we sing. And we teach and admonish by how we sing, don't we? A guy called Bob Coughlin says it really well. He says, even our expression will leave an impression. Talking about our body language and how we sing and how we engage with God's truth. Let me give you a little uh, illustration that someone used the other day. Let's say Fiona and I are discussing something and, and I disagree with what she's saying and she disagrees with what I'm saying. And I say, look, I'm not getting angry. What speaks louder? Are are you trusting my words or my actions? And so I want to challenge you guys, as we sing together as a church, what do we teach one another by the way that we sing? What am I teaching my son about my trust in God by the way I sing? Are we expressing confidence and trust? Or do our actions, does the way that we sing, contradict the things that we sing? I speak as a man with British heritage and so we squash down our emotions. We're very stoic. But yet, we need to be aware how are we teaching and admonishing one another and by the way that we sing, how are we doing that? All right? We need to look out for others as we do that. And what's the purpose of all this teaching and admonishing? I just want to, if we look back earlier in 1 Corinthians Paul uses not 1 Corinthians Colossians Paul uses exactly the same phrase he says we proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom why? why do we do this? why are we doing this? so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ okay again just a reminder that what we're doing as we teach and admonish isn't momentary it is momentary but that's not it we want everyone to be mature in Christ and each of us has a role to play in that. It's not only when we sing, but it definitely is when we sing. As we come together in church and sing, are we looking out for how we can teach and admonish one another as we sing? How do we help present everyone mature in Christ? So let's quickly, I want to just quickly review where we've been and so keep on looking at the, the passages we do this. Remember, we need to choose to put on our singing as a discipline. Sometimes, God willing, it will just be an overflow of joy, but there's other times where we need to choose. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord and forget not his benefits. We choose to do it. It's a discipline that teaches us. Our singing should be a time where we're being transformed by God's word, so we should be expectant. As we come to church and as we come to sing and as we come to hear God's word read and as we come to hear it preached, we should be expectant that God is going to work and we should be ready to engage, to have soft hearts, open ears, to be ready to hear what God says to us and challenge us by. Our singing isn't just for Sunday morning, it's for Monday morning and Tuesday morning and Tuesday night and Wednesday. as we sing together, we equip each other for every good work throughout the week. Right. It's not just a now thing. And it's not primarily about me. Our songs are about us. And we state and shape our theology and we encourage one another to live boldly in a world that tells us different. And we have this opportunity to teach and encourage and rebuke and challenge one another as we sing together. We need to be proactively looking for the the way in which how we sing and what we sing can feed and sow into each other's lives. And so finally, how do we do it? Let's get to the end of the verse. We sing to God with gratitude in our hearts. And so I think it's really appropriate that we look at this on a day like today where we're celebrating God's faithfulness to this church. What things, and and this isn't a rhetorical question, what things do we have to be thankful for, to God? Why are we thankful? I'd love to hear something. This, this, This is a worry. Sorry, I missed that. Far out. Didn't he? Yes. Yes, I hear that. I mean, what have we got to be thankful for? What has God been doing among us? Have you seen lives transformed? Be thankful. Have you seen God's provision for you in hard times? Be thankful. Have you seen healing? Be thankful. Have you? I don't know what it is for you. For us as a church, we have celebrated lives changed. People through cooking classes, coming to know Jesus. We've seen congregations growing. We've seen relationships nurtured. We've got so much to give God thanks for and we need to, as we sing, invest these songs with our thankfulness. If all we do is read words and put melody to them, that's the sort of worship that God seems to not particularly like when we read Isaiah 1 or Amos or Micah when we aren't actually living lives of worship but just going through the motions, just the religion. God doesn't want our religion. He wants all of us in response to who he is. So we need to, as we stand and sing in a few minutes, engage with God's word here. We need to bring our thankfulness to him and lift our voices in song. Let the song lift those praises and that thankfulness to God. Here's the words we're about to sing. We're going to sing about the God that although he created the universe he chose to step in it and he bore my sin and your sin and your sin and your sin and your shame this God has given us his spirit God is in us God is with us have we got something to celebrate? far out we do come on and the words say so what can I say? what can I do? but offer this heart oh God completely to you can I challenge you? we're about to sing that Let's do it. This is application time, people. Band's going to band. Are you there? Come on, guys. This is time to put God's word into action. Let's stand and sing when the guys get up here.